0: hey everyone welcome back to the intelligent conversations podcast today i have the honor to speak with pritvi pritvi is the owner of the marketing nomad she helps entrepreneurs reach and obtain their marketing goals so prit thanks for coming on to the show today i've been looking forward to this but just kind of a question i like to open with and that's how do you kind of get started in that space how do you decide hey i'm going to start the marketing nomad
1: oh well josh thank you so much for having me on your podcast first and yeah let's get into your question okay so <laughs> my story starts off with a lot of drama a lot of intrigue and uh you know it's it's basically a 20 something year old girl who has absolutely no idea that her life is actually going to change for the better. So for those of you who are listening in for the first time and you have no idea who I am, let me first introduce myself. My name is Prithvi Madhukar. I am the marketing nomad and I have been an entrepreneur for the last three years and I have been a business owner for the last two years. And a little bit about me even before I started this entrepreneurial journey was that Finding my passion, I think, is the baseline of me even entering my entrepreneurial journey. So I am actually an engineer by degree. And unfortunately, in my second year of engineering, I did not seem a future in it. I, I just did not see the next 40 years of my life in that field, feeling very lost. For me, I wanted to have a life where I was passionate about my career and I wanted to kind of have passion and money, you know, Mm -hmm. that's the philosophy that I live by. But unfortunately, the society that I grew up in, there are only three professions that are acceptable and unacceptable in quotes. You can either be a doctor or a lawyer or an engineer. And if you take up any other profession other than those three, then you're not going to be looked at with respect. And even if you do achieve some semblance of respect or success, I would say, People would just chalk it off as sheer dumb luck. And so at this point, I am halfway through my engineering degree. I am feeling so lost. Everyone around me seemed to have their life figured out. And at 20 years old, when everyone around you has their life figured out, it gets scary. It gets really, really scary very quick. So during the summer holidays, I was lazing around my house and my dad, he's a very typical Indian parent. And he said, you know, why don't you go get some real world experience, you know, put your, um, you know, your, your, I don't know, your technical abilities to task or something of that sort. And, you know, I joked with him and I said, well, with the marks I was getting, I don't think anyone was going to hire me. My mom was not amused. My dad did laugh at my joke. (laughs) So what he did was he actually took me to his company. My dad's, uh, both my parents are entrepreneurs and they have their own businesses. So he took me to his company and he said, "Okay, you know what? Why don't you just work with this team? They're right now fixing the website Just talk to them, figure out the grammatical mistakes, the spelling mistakes on the website, those kind of things. Just figure it out with them. Mm -hmm. So I sat there and, you know, I went through the website. There were a few spelling mistakes. There were a few grammatical mistakes. And then being the writer that I am, I thought, okay, why not I change one sentence to make it a little bit better, you know, to communicate the meaning a little bit better? Then there was another Web page that the whole colors of that page did not match the entire website so I asked them to change that and so on and so forth and then slowly I moved on to Facebook their Facebook page Mm. on um, the social media platforms and then I helped them write captions and stuff like that and eight hours would just fly by Chris I had no idea what I was doing but all I knew was that I absolutely loved every single second of it and I would immediately become sad because well having a career in whatever that was I didn't even know what it was called I mm-hmm. couldn't see a way to go from engineering to that place right so I went back the next two summers voluntarily was not forced did not go grumpily as I did the first time I was taken and um You know, it was it was fantastic time. And around this time, I said, "Okay, engineering is not for me. I got my degree, did not apply to a single job in the engineering field. I said, I'm going to do my MBA. I'm going to start my business someday, maybe 10 years from now. This could be a good prep for it. So I applied to schools. I just had one plan, Josh. I did not have any other plan um, (laughs) laid out. And then I got into Rochester Institute of Technology, which is upstate New York. And I went there to do my two-year MBA program. So in my first semester, in the first marketing class, I'm sitting in that class and the professor's up there sitting, like talking to the class, trying to engage the class with different marketing questions. And there I am, Josh, like a total nerd (laughs) raising my hand for every single question. And it wasn't just simple marketing questions. It was like Coca-Cola campaign from 10 years ago or Maggie campaign for three years ago. And there I was answering and I was more surprised than the professor herself, to be very honest with you. (laughs) But that's what I learned in that moment that all my life. I had been absorbing these little things like newspaper articles, magazines with all of this information. I didn't know it was called marketing. I didn't know I had an inclination towards marketing. I just knew it was something that I was interested in. So in that moment, I found my passion. I was so relieved because, you know, I think I was 24 at this time and I was relieved. I was happy that I had some sort of direction. And because I was an international student, after I completed my MBA degree, you get one year of OPT, which is optional practical training. And usually international students choose to take it. You get to work on your student visa for a year and then your employer has to convert that student visa into a work visa for you to work for three more years, basically. So I found a fantastic job on Long Island. It was a top solar firm, amazing colleagues, great job. I was living so close to New York City. I mean, it's the greatest city in the whole world. (laughs) And, you know, I was just having the time of my life. And when it came to the time for my employer to convert my student visa into a work visa, unfortunately, my work visa was not processed. It's a lottery. And in the year, this was in 2019, if I'm not wrong, there were about 200,000 applicants. And from that, only 85,000 were picked. And so mine was just not processed. Yeah, it's absolutely (laughs) insane. And of course, that meant that I had to leave the country. And I had just found out my passion. I had just found out my career. I just figured my life out, got it together and everything. It was heartbreaking. I was in so much pain, so much anguish. I was leaving my friends behind, a place that I had called home for three years. I was emotionally attached to New York. And it was just... Yeah, oh, it was so painful. And around this time, I had to put my resume out on LinkedIn. OK, that's the natural thing you do, right? When yes. like You have to start looking for a job. And around this time, I thought, you know, I'm already at level zero. You know, I have to put my resume out there. Why not? I actually start something on my own right now. I'll try it for a year. If it doesn't work out, then I could always go back to putting my resume on LinkedIn, that that I had a fallback option. And not just that, I think that out of this pain and this anguish, if I didn't give myself an opportunity to find some light, a little bit spiritual over here, but if I didn't give myself the opportunity to try at something, maybe I would regret it. And maybe something good could come out of this entirely crazy and bad (laughs) situation and... So it was just a flip of a switch. Like you asked me, how did I start my entrepreneurial journey? I know I took a long time to get there, but honestly, it was just, I woke up one day and I said, I'm going to stop being sad and I'm just going to do this. (laughs) And that's how I started with it. It just, it was just that flip second. And then the minute I you know, came up with the idea. I said, okay, I'm starting my own business. Everything just, I started working on building my website and then learning how to do all of that, putting my profile on freelance websites and then so on and so forth. And within eight months, it was pretty clear that something was working for me. I was starting to get known on freelance websites. People were starting to recognize me, I had clients reaching out to me. And in the middle of the pandemic in August, 2020, I decided mm-hmm. to set up my company. I'm in India, but my company is in Delaware. And it's been two years since I set up my company, three years since I started this journey. It's been an absolute roller coaster ride, but I would not have it any other way.
0: Thank you for sharing that story. That was awesome. No, that's, I liked how you went through all like the, even like the hard things, the good things, like you're like, oh, I figured it out. And then all of a sudden, right, my visa didn't get approved. And then you're like, I figured it out. And I I think it's. I think it's interesting because it's like, right, if you were to ask yourself like five, six, seven years ago, right, it would be like, yeah, I never thought I'd have been there type of thing. But it's a, <laughs> just a journey, Absolutely. right? It's this, this small process of like, if you were to ask me, right, where I was like, yeah, like five, six years ago, I was scared of public speaking. I was like, I don't want to put myself out there. That's that's scary type of thing. I would like, I would literally like cry in church type of thing. When like someone asked me to speak, it would be like, yeah, no, this isn't, this isn't my cup of tea, but then like (laughs) kind of similar thing to you. It's just like, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to change something. I'm going to like, let's, it just kind of flipped. I'm like, this sucks type of thing. And the only thing, the only thing that I can do to change this is to actually put that step forward. So it's just the small changes. I was just like, you know what? I'm gonna raise my hand in class and just say answer a question, or raise my hand to say the Pledge of Allegiance, or whatever, something like that. Like I'm just gonna do these simple, actionable steps that you know lead me, so that I can actually achieve what I want to do. And then now here I am, right, hosting a podcast, and it's like what <laughs> a the full heck? blown
1: podcast. I know that's amazing,
0: but it's yeah, it's quite a journey. And I I love the what you shared there in yours is especially it's just phenomenal. I, I do want to ask this because I think a lot of people are probably in a similar boat right now, right? They'd kind of like maybe they're going getting that engineering degree, lawyer, doctor, whatever. But they don't really know. They're <laughs> like, well, this isn't really me type of thing. So could you kinda of give a little bit more information? Like how do you help those kids kind of find like what it is that they actually want and kind of their passion?
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. So the reason why I really like sharing my story of how I found my passion is because at the time, I know how scared I was. I know how lost I was. And I know what it feels like to for every single person to have the next 40 years of their life chalked out. And then here you are saying, yeah, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> you know. <laughs> and it takes it t- it's really, really scary. And I hope that by listening to my story, you also listeners out there, you understand that The fact that you know you want a different kind of life itself puts you at step one. And I I hope that encourages you. And the second thing that I realized was I found marketing when I wasn't looking for it. I had already settled on an MBA program. I mean, I did not need any further (laughs) discussion on that. And that's when I realized that passion is always on the opposite spectrum of frustration. And all through my engineering, I was so frustrated. I was panicking Trying to find, like, I was literally trying to find my passion. But when I stopped looking for it, surprisingly, it just came to me because I was in that mental state, that relaxed mode to be open to what it is. And I also wanna say that your passion isn't something that is going to come out of nowhere. It is most likely, like, 99%, it's going to be something that you have consistently done over a long period of your life subconsciously or even consciously and you probably just have not recognized it either because you've not allowed yourself to recognize it or you just maybe think that you can't make a career out of it. So those are the two options that I've personally figured out. So when I say you know if you're out there asking me for advice I would say take some time to really think about what makes you happy okay Mm -hmm. even if it's drawing or even if it's public speaking or even if it's just cooking whatever it may be what makes you happy think about that try to see if you are you know whether you can monetize it and let me tell you in this day and age there is nothing that you cannot monetize like anything and everything i have multiple passion let me tell you guys i'm on every single platform (laughs) there is out there and uh, i'm making videos i'm making podcasts i'm designing digital products and let me say tell you Being a multi-passionate person has really helped me create variable income streams for my business. And that is something that I'm proud of. So, yes, you've got to find your passion, but don't restrict it to one passion as well. There is nothing you can't monetize. You will find a way to monetize it. And even if your passion is being quirky or being funny, so many people have monetized just that trait of theirs you know? So my advice to you is take some time, sit down. It's going to take you a while. I'm not going to lie. It's going to take you some time, but think about what really makes you happy. And when you find yourself doing these things, like you're cooking or maybe you're speaking or whatever it is, if you find yourself really, really happy, if you find that time just flies by, if you find a little bit of peace, you find your safe space is what I call it. That's most likely something that you're passionate about so yeah
0: no that's that's right on the mark no that's right on the mark too I think (laughs) so I'm gonna kind of build on that too I I think you also have to put yourself like actually try type of thing right because I think sometimes right that fear holds us back. you're like well I don't really know if this is gonna work type thing right (laughs) you know you know for a fact (laughs) hey I like doing this but it's like uh I don't know if I can actually do this and I mean, to your point, right, you can monetize literally anything <laughs> in this day and age. Anything, And <laughs> you'll find that especially people that, uh, you know, are fearful that they end up right. It's just that's like one of the number one regrets of people when they're older. Yes. I mean, I've I've i actually like talking to people that are significantly older than me just because they share just <laughs> these gems of wisdom. Just like, hey. Yes this was something I wish I would have done. And now it's not too, I'm like, Hey, look, it's the internet. It's not too late. You could still publish that book if you really wanted to. Right. And they're like, Oh yeah, I guess, I guess it could. But you know, that they almost feel like they just can't, it's just that fear, right. Sets in. And I guess that kind of leads into my next question. How do you overcome that fear? What's the way that you just kind of take that step? Right. We've already kind of talked about that, but like overcome the fear that comes with it.
1: Well, for me, okay, one, I've always been ridiculously optimistic about myself. I don't know why that is, (laughs) but I mean, it's, it's helped me a lot, but it's also put me in a lot of difficult situations over the years. But I think one thing that I have learned in this journey is I have learned how to trust myself no questions asked. You know, if if there is something that I can't figure, I either trust myself to find a way or I trust myself to find the right people to help me out or I trust myself to work around it. And I think that one of the most important lessons for anyone out there, whether you are thinking of taking the leap into the entrepreneurial world or you just want to pursue something on your own, whatever it may be, I think that a lot of times we stop ourselves from finding happiness because we think that there are a lot of steps to get there. But from what I have understood in the last three years is one bold step is all it takes to change where you are at to reach your happy place. That's all. And when you look at it, if you think like, oh, point B is like many, many steps, Oftentimes, we don't even take the first step. We don't even feel like moving Mm any place. We are scared. Like you said, we are fearful because we see so many steps. But when you think of it as just one step, one bold step, those few moments of courage, that's all it takes. And that's all you have to like close your eyes and just push yourself through that. And then you're at your happy place. Then things will start flowing. I think that's one way of how I look at it because there have been so many times where I've there's so many different things. I started my YouTube channel, um, opened a company when I was in India and in the US. And <laughs> there are not many people out there who've done this. Let me tell you that. Um, oh, you know, I that's a that challenge. was really, really scary. <laughs> it was. And it still is. I'm not kidding. You know, there are, I have to file taxes for two different places. It's mm. an absolute mess. I do not like taxes to even begin with, like paying <laughs> taxes, the process. It's just. Yeah. So anyway, different uh, traction. So what I was saying is all it takes is just one bold step. Those few moments of courage, you've just got to close your eyes and push through. And another thing that you did talk about, fear. And It's not that I wasn't afraid. I am today also, as you talk to me. There are so many things that I'm trying out new, so many new ventures that I'm going about that I am scared about. But the thing is that you've got to make sure that your self-confidence exceeds that fear, exceeds that insecurity, exceeds that limiting belief. And for me, it can be different things. And I personally don't think that we should eliminate fear. I don't think that's even a possibility, mm-hmm. I think that fear is really, really essential because it helps you, it protects you, you know? Mm-hmm. It's, it's there for you to say, okay, like, for example, my book, okay? I'm probably one of the very, very, very few four-figure business owners writing an entire book on how she got to four figures, okay? Mm-hmm. And I am so terrified of that book coming out. But at the same time, it's just moving past that fear. I acknowledge the fear, but at the same time, I'm taking that step. And the fear has helped me make sure that my content is absolutely top notch. Or you know, I've checked and checked and like read my book fifteen times just to check for spelling mistakes. So that fear does protect you, but at the, and it's necessary. But at the same time, you just have to acknowledge it, say that it's you know, think that it's sitting in some corner, you know, waving to you, and then you walk past it.
0: So I actually, as you were, especially that last part where it's normal to like be scared and. This is, I actually like to differentiate, like, I think that there's fear and then there's being scared type of thing. Being scared is completely normal, right? Like, it's okay to be scared. Like, oh my gosh, is this going to (laughs) work type of thing? Or, oh man, I put a lot of money into this. I don't know if this is going to work. But fear just immobilizes you. You don't actually act. It's like, oh, like you just freeze up and you just, you don't do anything type of thing. That's kind of how I view it. And it kind of goes to this thing that my grandfather, I, I actually remember, he's like, are you the master that is using the tool or are you the tool to the fear? Like, is fear ruling you or are you ruling fear type oh, of thing?
1: That's and wise. Like, that's really wise words.
0: <laughs> I know, right? It's like, oh my gosh. And he's like, it's every emotion, too, right? It's like, whether you're angry, are you, do you have control of the anger? It's normal to feel angry. Yes. Do you control it? Are you the master over anger? Yes. Then you can go on master over fear then you can go on but that's the thing all right what emotions do you let control you and that's the thing you want to be the master over your own emotions and I think that right there it stuck with me I'm like "Huh, that's that's really like you said it's really wise and something that I think we all can learn from but uh you kind of threw in something there that kind of caught my attention that's self-confidence I think yes (laughs) especially so we talked about how right how anything can be monetized right and that's i'm I'm assuming you're referring to like social media especially right is a great tool to do that self-confidence is kind of a hit and miss with that i think some people have self-confidence right and they're like oh i'm awesome type of thing right they get the likes all that right then some people they let that actually kind of bring them down so how can you kind of I guess, build that self-confidence so then we're not dealing with kind of, I guess, let me take a step back. So how does social (laughs) media uh, actually, how does social media like impact self-confidence and then how can we build our self-confidence in a day and age where maybe some people struggle with that?
1: Okay. That's such an interesting question, Josh, because for me, my journey with self-confidence, like my Trist with self-confidence, I guess I would say. Uh, it's, been, it's been there right since the beginning. And I think that the way I perceive self-confidence is a little bit different from what the norm is. So let me explain what I perceive as self-confidence. So for me, a lot of people think that, okay, self-confidence means self-confidence in one particular subject. So if you're good at debating, then self-confidence in debating, mm-hmm. self-confidence in your beauty, self-confidence in maybe the way you walk. I, however, perceive self-confidence as a collective of all the things that I'm good at, okay? And I think that when I started looking at self-confidence this way, it helped me show up better, even for the things that I personally did not think I was good at. Other people's perception, completely different, but my perception, even if I felt that I wasn't good at, let's say, debating, okay? But my entire self-confidence is based on every other single piece of strength that I have. So it's not just about beauty or public speaking or walking or whatnot. And that helped me show up better for the areas that I was not, well, good at in codes. And I think by looking at self-confidence and this, I started looking at self-confidence um, from a very young age. Um, I had to deal with like racism and People talking about different kinds of aspect. I mean, high school is pretty. Uh, <laughs> my high school was like straight out of a Mean Girls movie. Let me tell you that um, right off the bat. So I think from a very young age, I learned that self confidence has to be a collective of all the things that make who you are, like your strengths, and then you use that to overflow. And it in in a lot of ways. I'm sorry for bringing math into this. I'm a whole math nerd. But, you know, if, for example, you have maybe 50% confidence in A, and then 50% confidence in B, and then maybe 90% confidence in C, if you add all of them up and you take the average, your self-confidence ends up being a lot higher than if you were to just nitpick self-confidence for one particular topic. And that's what I want to say. You know, when you look at self-confidence as a whole, uh, inclusive of all of your strengths, it's naturally going to be at a much higher point than if you were to take it individually. And that's just my perception, Josh. Would love to hear your thoughts on it.
0: I, I agree with the point that you think it kind of just, it drips into other aspects of your life as, mm. as you kind of, cause that's the thing, you may have self-confidence in one thing, but it's like, if you're solely that, and you don't try to develop outside of that realm of what mm. you're tr- like, what, who you see yourself becoming then honestly you're not (laughs) yeah you're gonna that that confidence yeah it's harder and that confidence is going to eventually because you're gonna find when you the more and more you get specialized in this like I like to call it tunnel vision you just realize I'm never gonna be the best type of thing or I'm never gonna be better than I mean that's that's just the reality type of thing and
1: And not just that, I think self-confidence always comes after you do the task and you do it multiple times rather than before. I think that we have such a common misconception that you've got to be confident before you start your task. But I think that confidence comes after and, you know, the first time that you do it, your confidence may not be at a high level. But the second time you do it, it's definitely going to be higher because, you know, you can trust yourself to do that. So I think we need to wipe away the misconception that you need to be 100 percent confident before you start your task. Yeah. And
0: it's it's that willingness to actually fail too, Right. Because no one's going to be good at something. Yes. <laughs> no one's going to be good at something. Yes,
1: absolutely. And 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 I think that the first work is always going to be crappy. I mean, my first podcast episode, I'm so embarrassed to even go back and listen to it. My first YouTube video, I do not know what the heck I was doing on that. And so the first thing that you ever do, it's naturally going to be something that you are going to be very, very embarrassed about. But you've got to keep going, I guess. You mm-hmm.
0: know? No, I, I agree. It's that, again, I think if you remain consistent, one, that's one thing. And you have to yes. be willing to try it for a longer period of time than probably you want to because oftentimes people (laughs) just quit too soon. It's like, Oh no, like this isn't working. And I'm (laughs) like, no, just be a little bit more patient and then see where that takes you. And then from there, right, maybe right after a year or two, say, all right, let's take a step back. It hasn't been working, but then like actually say, all right, let's make some improvements. Like if there needs, there obviously always will be, but maybe it's like, maybe we need to just (laughs) reevaluate and say, Hey, this is where we're going to, take this. This is where maybe we should go this direction or try this, or maybe it's back to the drawing board again. Right. And we always hate that. Absolutely.
1: Yes. I think the timeline is very warped in our minds. I think mm-hmm. that either we expect things to come way too soon or way too late. I I don't think that we have a firm grasp on how long we need to keep doing something or when the results are expected to come. Yeah, I think that's one of the problems and as well.
0: That's actually something I remember they teaching us in uh, sports psychology, actually, when I was in high school. And it was like, there's there's two types of mindsets when you go into like, playing sports or whatever and I honestly think it translates just to anything and that's there's a process-oriented mindset and then a results-oriented mindset and I'm like the process-oriented it's like you do it because you just simply just love it right you're passionate about it and you're you're more concerned about improving day after day right like what can I do today so then I can be at this point tomorrow type of thing whereas like the results is like how can I be here right now like today type of thing. Like I want to be this person doing mm. this right now here today. And that's something I think they, they taught us They're like, Hey, you need to be more process oriented because you'll find, right. You're not going to learn how to dunk a basketball first freaking time you pick <laughs> it up. Right. Yes. Or you're not going to learn to sling a football, right? Like 80 yards or something first time <laughs> it's, it's the yeah. small actionable steps that you take that really help you get to where you want to be in your life so today's been quite a discussion I love it and thank you for bearing with me on the whole <laughs> network issues and stuff Oh, no
1: worries at all it happens but, uh
0: I'm gonna I'm gonna ask the intelligent question of the day forgive me <laughs> if this is bad everyone I know I've gotten feedback sometimes <laughs> I need to work on that but uh <laughs> I think kind of taking I guess maybe a little bit of a step back but we've talked about, you know, developing what you can do like today, like kind of those actionable steps. Maybe the question comes down to how can we actually set those steps? So then we know where to go, right? Like actually set those goals that we can act on and know, hey, this is where I want to be in two, five, 20 years, right? What would be like your goal setting process?
1: Oh, that's a fantastic question, Josh. I, I really like it. Um, and this is something that I've actually talked about in my book and my entire process of how I plan. And th- this is something that I do. I plan backwards. So I see where I want to end up, like maybe two years or five years, whatever the timeline you perceive, think about where you want to be and then break that down into little bits. So it's if it's a year, you break it down into quarters. If it's a quarter, you break it further into months. And then when you finally break it down into weeks, you actually have steps that you can take. So for example, if I want to get a thousand fo- for example, okay, this does not happen in real life. But for example, if I want to get a thousand followers on Instagram, maybe I have to post um, four times a week you know, to get to that level, to that consistency. So break it down as much as possible. And I think that I would want to quote one of my favorite authors, who's Morgan um, Housel. I hope I pronounce his name correctly. He is the author of Psychology of Money. And in that, he actually does mention that part of the planning process is that you acknowledge that your plan may not even work. Okay, so you accommodate for that plan to fail as well. And I think that's an important process. Because one thing you have to understand is life is absolutely unpredictable. You you can't have all your ducks in a row. There is only so much that you can plan for. There's a lot more that you can't plan for. And you shouldn't either. Because I think that part of life is the surprise that it brings, you know, the opportunities that you never thought would have happened. And frankly, if I look back, as much as I do have a plan to get to where I am, there have been many, many situations where I have just flown with the direction that life or the journey has taken me and it's gotten me there. So yeah, actionable steps, absolutely break it down into smaller, smaller bits, get actionable steps, but at the same time, acknowledge that that plan is going to need tweaking every now and then and acknowledge that you will have surprises along the way and flow with those surprises. I think that's also very, very important.
0: Everyone that's listening right now, that's that's the intelligent answer of the day. That was, that was awesome. And I, I want to build off that. I, I remember you saying towards the beginning of the this show and this episode and stuff, I remember you saying, well, some people, right, like when you're telling your story, they had like their 40-year plan planned out. I'm like, I almost want to <laughs> yes. ask them, so how's your 40-year plan going now, right? And it's... <laughs> And
1: I I guarantee
0: they're probably like, Oh, I didn't really anticipate this happening (laughs) or, Oh wait, I didn't think I was going to go in this direction. And that's just the reality, right? It's, it's okay to adjust and switch things up. It's just do it with purpose and direction and you're set type of thing. And yeah, that, that was the intelligent answer of the day. So I know you've mentioned, uh, you have like a book, the marketing nomad is what's called, right?
1: No, no, it's called, uh, so I am the marketing nomad, oh, gotcha. but my book's name is zero to, <laughs> yeah, so my book's name is zero to four figures, lessons learned by a broke CEO. In case it wasn't evident, that broke CEO is me. And it's basically a compilation of 61 lessons that I have learned in the, three years of my entrepreneurial journey. It's got stories from the 30 years of my life as well, kind of intertwined and how those stories have helped me show up better for my business as well. So it's pretty exciting stuff. It's a, big book. It's 380 pages. And uh, it's going to be out on Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, Kobo, anywhere you find it, you're going to get it. Uh, Please do uh, reach out to me, you know, uh, tell me something that you liked about Josh's uh, podcast. And also this podcast episode as well, I would be happy to connect with you. I'm the marketing nomad everywhere. You can find me on YouTube, podcast, Instagram, LinkedIn. I'm Prithvi Madhukar. So yeah, I would be happy to connect with you.
0: Awesome. Sweet. So... For those of you tuning in, I challenge you guys, if you liked something you heard today, I would go check that out. So Prativi, that's how I say it, right? Prativi, right?
1: No, Pritvi.
0: Ah, man. Yes. Sorry.
1: Yeah, almost. Close.
0: Close. So thank you Close. for coming on today. <laughs> it's It's been an absolute thank blast. Thank you. So everyone, that is Pritvi. As you can tell, she's a very intelligent person, has great things to say. I challenge you guys, if you liked anything you heard today, to go reach out to her and I bet she'll love to help you out. Stay tuned till next week. We have a great guest lined up for you guys. See you guys next week and let's get after it. Hey everyone, if you liked this episode and would like to hear more, be sure to hit that subscribe or follow button. We release a new episode every Wednesday for you guys to listen to. Thank you guys so much for the support that you give. We could not have done this without you guys. If you would like to be a potential guest on the show, check out intelligentconvos.com and fill out the form there. Thank you guys again, and let's get after it.